This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 10 off T E N O F F for a 10% discount at portlanddistro.com. Hey everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Everything Went Black podcast. This is part three of Unholy Portland. And this week, we have Davey Furchow of Dry Wedding, our new friends and friends of the show. So uh, yeah, we talked, we talked a little bit about these guys, and uh, we're going to be covering them in our wrap-up part four Unholy Portland episode next week where we dive deeper into the history of Portland and some of the great music that uh, has originated from that city. So yeah, Davey and Casey are friends and both of their bands are great. And uh, yeah, this is gonna be a fun episode. I had a great time talking with Davey. But before we get going, I just want everyone to be aware that we have a Patreon at Everything Went Black. And for as little as $1 a month, you can join the team and get bonus content every month. I'm doing maybe three or four, at minimum three bonus episodes, usually four a month. At level two, for $5 a month, you get early access to all content. This is gonna be a moving target. We're gonna be adding more stuff in the coming months, so you can get in on all this action by going to Patreon, everything went black. Thanks for doing the show, man. It's cool. I, it's it's been an f- interesting story how we all connected, and I think that uh, Ralph actually is the linchpin in this whole new era of uh, people knowing each other. It's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, thank you for having me. And I agree. Um, it was just one of those things where you know Casey let me know that he was in communication with you guys, and then. Um, you know, I looked up, I looked up Ralph and the podcast and, um, I was like, Oh, this guy, you know, follows us on social media. And I was like, that's interesting. Um, and then I kind of poked around a little more and then, yeah, you know, one thing led to another and now here I am. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. I, I, about like a year ago or so, Ralph sent me, uh, the EP, um, when the sun goes down, it goes down forever. The murder bait. Uh, record and um yeah that, that's kind of the beginning of this whole exploration into the portland uh thing that's going on which from my from where i'm standing it seems like there's like all these great bands in portland and uh you know playing this dark music but you know i guess since you live in portland maybe you see things differently i don't know uh i mean i think i think that's accurate there's you know i think there's something about the climate here that kind of inspires that type of music you know it's a it's a great town for post-punk and for metal and and all that kind of stuff so I, and you know i think it has been that way for for several years but the the scene here currently yeah there's a lot of great kind of you know bands doing quote-unquote dark music or you know whatever you want to call it so as i was saying it started with murder bait and then mm-hmm. you know you know that's the one good thing i guess about the algorithm and all this uh all these platforms all these streaming platforms they Sometimes it works, and they connect you with cool stuff that you like. You know what I mean? And uh, mm-hmm. coincidentally, um, you know, actually, Dry Wedding is Ralph's referral. You know, so that's how I found out about you guys. But 
Uh, I also found out about Shadowlands, which is sort of a band that connects both of you guys because, uh, you know, of the, of, you know, I'll let you describe what the connection is. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Casey is in murder bait, but then he also, uh, plays drums in Shadowlands. Um, his wife is the singer slash keyboard player and, her twin sister plays guitar and her twin sister is, is my partner. So, um, you know, we, uh, Casey and I are, you know, life partners with twins. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and at this point we live about, I think something like 10 blocks away from each other. And so, you know, we, we all spend a lot of time together. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. How long? And is, actually, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, I actually met Casey uh, before I even lived in Portland. Um, so I've, you know, I've known him for several years now and then through him, you know, met his wife and his wife's sister. So. Are, so you're not a native of Portland or, or, or where are you from originally? Uh, I grew up in Southern California. Okay. So you're a West coast sort of guy then that's cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How long has dry wedding been around? Cause I, I only know the two records that are out right now. Yeah, those are the only two records there are. Um, we did have a, a short-lived kind of two-part demo that, um, you know, was up before the first record was done, just as a way to kind of show people what we were doing and, you know, help us book shows at the beginning. Um, but yeah, actually, the whole origin story is is a little complicated. Um, well, I well mean, that's, that, that's what we're here for, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I moved to Portland in, uh, April, 2017. Um, and before I, you know, had even finished packing, you know, to leave, uh, I was already, you know, posting Craigslist ads about starting a band up here in Portland. Uh, so by the time I got to town, I already had, you know, a handful of people lined up to come over and jam, um, and basically, I, I ended up kind of jamming with a group of people for, you know, about nine or ten months. And uh, at that point, I, I felt that things were in a place where, you know, I was like, I don't feel comfortable taking this band out and playing. I don't feel comfortable with recording these songs as they stand. And I was, I just kind of, I mean, I think... I think the big thing was I was like, oh, I'm I'm new to town, and all my friends I know here are are too busy to play with me, so I should just take what I can get. But it got to a point where I was like, why am I settling for this? This isn't what I want. So I kind of just cleaned house and started from scratch. Um, you know, closer to the beginning of 2018, um, and then I started connecting with people, um, and then finally got like what was the first incarnation of dry wedding together in in like you know summer 2018 uh then we started playing out live at the beginning of 2019 um and then had only one more lineup change after that so it's really hard being new you know to a town or, or a city and trying to start a band you know i mean there's you know I'm, i've always been like the new guy like in whatever city I end up living. I've lived in a bunch of different places over the years and uh, trying to break into, uh, you know, being just with the right people is oftentimes a, a, a real struggle sometimes, you know? Oh, definitely. And I mean, you know, I was basically just, you know, saying, hello, Craigslist strangers, come over to my basement. 
Um, so, you know, you never really know what type of, of person you're going to connect with, you know, um, on a person, on a personality level, on a, you know, musical level. Um, so it definitely took some trial and error on my part before all the pieces kind of fell into place. And then, you know, uh, summer of 2019, our bass player left. We, uh, I had to go back to Craigslist one last time, found an incredible bass player. And, you know, within a few months, he was uh, learning a set to play out and uh, prepping to record the first record in um, November of 2019. Now, did you ever get any, any people show up that really had no idea like what the, you know, what the band, what you're, what you were trying to do at all. Like they were just some left field people, you know? Um, yeah, there were, there were a few people, um, that showed up and also just people who would, you know, email and they would kind of, um, make that known immediately. I had one guy who said, you know, I haven't, uh, owned an amp since high school. I don't actually live in Portland yet. And I can play every, song from some some 41 album oh wow and uh i just like politely was you know i emailed him back and i'm like you know i just i don't think that this is going to be a good fit and then he kind of started to kind of beg me to give him a chance and it was that was the whole thing um and then yeah a couple people who showed up same thing it was just like i don't really think they understood you know maybe some of the reference points i you know included in the craigslist ad and it just didn't click for one reason or another so i just kept kind of going through people and then when we you know had this bass player switch it was uh you know he 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 emailed us and said something like um i think the, the birthday party was was mentioned in the ad and he said something like you know that he he could be our tracy pew minus uh, the heroin and the okay. leather pants so um you know so he understood then. And I mean, especially like what you guys are doing, like the rhythm section plays such a, a key part in the sound of the band, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, the our drummer, Tom, he's the one I first connected with, um, you know, as I was kind of starting from scratch. And I actually had a buddy who was going to be moving up from Southern California. And we talked about playing together because we had played in a band together previously. Um, and once I played with Tom, I just, I had to immediately tell my friend, like, no, sorry, it's not happening when you get to town. Cause I was just kind of floored by, um, you know, how incredible he was. And, and yeah, we needed someone who was the right fit for locking in with him. Now, when you guys first started playing shows, uh, did you have a good idea of who the right, you know, promoters were and all that sort of stuff? Or did you do like the kind of typical just go out and try to play as much as you can and you end up being on builds with like some weird bands. Um, I, you know, I, with, with my previous band, the last band I was in right before this one, um, I had made some good connections in Portland. Um, and you know, even from bands I was in several years ago, I had some connections in Portland still. Um, so we were able to kind of find good bands to play with and good places to play pretty quickly. Um, you know, some promoters, some bands, and yeah, just some bookers in town that I had already, you know, uh, spoken to previously in one capacity or another. Um, but, you know, I will say the one thing that is challenging for a band like us is, you know, we get 
asked to play with different types of bands, but sometimes it is kind of hard to figure out where we fit in the grand scheme of things. Uh, you know, we'll get put on a, like a post-punk bill and the bands will be like, you know, drum machines and very synth heavy and, and kind of more like pop oriented dance music really. And then there's us, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, and then so for some like shows with heavier bands too, same thing, maybe we're a little bit of an outlier. Um, so that, that creates, um, you know, some, some challenges, but the music scene here is really open-minded and, um, you know, we, we like playing with all different types of bands and, you know, kind of maybe attracting the attention of a handful of people at each, you know, different type of show we play. Yeah, definitely. Cause you, you guys definitely have, you know, you're a rock band and I know sometimes that doesn't fly when you're playing like these kind of goth shows or, you know, post-punk shows where, you know, like you touched on it, where it's like drum machines and like a dance heavy kind of crowd. And then you come out with like amps and heavy drums and, you know, like a heavy rhythm section like you guys have, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we play those shows and they're fun. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, it's just one of those things where it's, we don't really fit neatly in any, any particular scene, but we definitely do get booked. I'd say probably most with, you know, the local post-punk bands here. Do you guys know, uh, Atriarch? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm pretty good friends with, uh, with Lenny and Max and, uh, they, they were kind of, they're kind of like that. They're, they're, they, they kind of are like an odd band sometimes, you know, to me that they're great, you know, and I love, I love them. And, and, uh, mm-hmm. You know, they, they can play on a lot of different bills, uh, similar similar to Dry Wedding, but, you know, they, they're all, they're unique and definitely stand out. And I, I'm imagining that's probably what it's like when you guys play with, you know, like, like a death metal band or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we did a show not too long ago with this great local band called Coffin Apartment. And, um, you know, based on how that show went, we definitely want to want to do more shows like that. So with the two records, Sway and The Long Road, uh, what mm-hmm. what was the, um, you know, like as far as like creatively, what's the flow like within the band? Like how do you guys write songs? Well, um, I, you know, uh, I'd, the vast majority of the time, um, it, it usually starts with with me uh, coming up with with an idea. And that can be one riff that could be, four riffs you know um it can be any sort of combination um and usually i'll just record a little phone demo and kind of send that off and um kind of gauge everybody's interest and if it seems like everybody is excited about it um you know i'll kind of make a note of that um and then the next time we come around to to practicing and and we're able to work on something new you know we might work in one of those um those demos I sent over and start to kind of flesh that out. And then after that, it's like, I mean, it's this whole thing. Um, we, we've gone pretty intense as far as developing songs and structures go. Um, you know, we'll come up with, you know, God knows how many parts to a song and then we'll write them all out. And then we'll, you know, we'll extend this part and shorten this part and we'll like, take this part and move it to the beginning and then, you know, move that other thing further down. And, um, you know, so yeah, a lot of it starts with, with like, you know, 
some ideas that I have and then we go from there. Um, but you know, there's, I think a song on each of the records where, um, you know, it was based on something that somebody else brought in. Like Jared would bring in some guitar riffs or something and we would work from that. So it's uh it's fairly collaborative then is what you're saying, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I usually kind of kickstart things with, with these ideas, these riffs, and then we, we go from there. I, it's not like I, I don't have like everybody's parts in my head and like, I'm like, you play this and you play that or anything, anything like that at all. Um, you know, it's, I, I can kind of get the, you know, get the song started and then we can kind of all collaborate on it from there. Um, and then, you know, once the music's locked in, then I, then I'll go and I'll, I'll write out my lyrics or I'll, I'll write them as we're kind of writing the music sometimes. Now with lyrics, uh, you know, do you, are, are you the kind of guy who writes constantly and just pulls from that? Or do you like write a song? You know what I'm trying to say? Like what's your yeah. process like when it comes to writing lyrics? I'm always interested in that being a, uh, you know, being a lyricist myself, you know, I'm always interested in how other people do the, do that. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's, it's actually kind of a little bit of both. Um, so I, I have a degree in creative writing. That's oh. what I studied in school. Um, and I focus mostly on, on poetry and short stories. Uh, and so I, I, I kind of have just like habits ingrained in me from that, um, you know, that have just stuck with me ever since. So I, uh, you know, I'm constantly writing. I mean, I write music articles for work too. So there's that, but you know, uh, I'm always jotting down ideas for, you know, imagery in a song or like sometimes just a couple lines will pop into my head or a single line will pop into my head. So I have like, you know, um, countless scraps of paper with little ideas jotted down on them. I have, you know, probably thousands of documents at this point in my computer that have just like, you know, maybe a couple lines or something like that. Um, so I always kind of am just throwing out those ideas as they come into my brain. Uh, but then sometimes, you know, I also kind of take the approach where I'm like, okay, I want to look at this song, uh, with a fresh perspective. I know what the music's doing now and and then kind of just maybe create something from scratch and just chip away at it that way um or you know just go through the old <laughs> the old ideas and see if anything jumps out that i think will will work to start expanding on yeah it's it's uh that to me that's like the most this this is the most interesting part of songwriting because it's um you know like when you're playing guitar you have 12 notes, you know, and, and they all will combine in a certain way to make up a, a, comp a composition, basically. And then lyrically, you have this infinite palette of words and ideas and ways to express yourself. And it's trying to select like the right path forward with that is always so challenging, you know. And I guess, you know, having a creative writing background, you know, like formally, that that's got to be like a huge huge you know help in this whole process so where did you go to school for that like what um that's I, I find that so interesting man to be honest like going to school and studying creative writing uh well yeah I got my degree from Cal State Long Beach uh you know I did the community college thing first and then transferred over and did my last couple years there um and yeah like I said <laughs> just uh studied poetry and 
short stories and and you know i mean there are other classes that make you take like british literature and things like that but um you know as far as like my workshops you know went it was a lot of poetry stuff um and and short stories just because i i I enjoy the economy of language especially like when you're writing a song even if it's a longer song you have this you know this kind of container that you have to fit all your words in so every word has that much more weight and so i was very interested in that idea of just making every single word count like if it it has to have a purpose it has to hold its own weight what are some of your favorite writers oh um (laughs) yeah that's that's, i know that kind of that kind of question is like so wide open you know yeah i I, and i mean i kind of you know i i jump around to different sources and things like you know of course i love cormac mccarthy um you know i as far as you know novelists are concerned um uh with poetry you know i love pablo neruda um you know uh as far as musicians go i love leonard cohen yeah um you know, I, I can kind of just hop around to these different things. And that's kind of how I like to do things. I like to pull influences from different places. So, you know, an idea might be sparked by a, a novel or a poem or a record or a film or an experience or, or something out in nature. Um, I, I try to keep it diverse so I don't kind of keep mining the same you know, uh, sources of inspiration. McCarthy's interesting because, um, each in each one of his, uh, works, it's like, he has a different voice. It seems like, you know what I mean? If you go from like blood Meridian to the road to like Sutri or something like that, there's all, it's almost like he has different voices that he writes in, in each one of those pieces. Yeah, totally. Um, and I, and I think that's why, you know, he's one of the, greatest writers that's ever lived um you know he's able to to do that with ease um and i mean just his vocabulary um i mean when we were trying to name the band i found some uh some person decided to um go through every one of his novels and create like a word bank (laughs) and they listed out every single word he ever used and would like reference words he used more than once. And like, there was like a key to tell you what words came from what book. Um, that sounds pretty obsessive. Yeah. And this was pre pandemic. <laughs> this was a person who did this with, you know, their regular time in a plague free world. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I did, I did look through there. Uh, didn't, didn't end up using anything from there to do our band name, but, Oh, when, I, when I listen to you guys, I, I get a sense of like this, uh, this kind of like, um, you know, like Southern Gothic kind of vibe, you know, like maybe um, like, like a Carson McCullers or, or sort of feel to the music, you know, with lyrics and the, that, that's kind of like my feeling about it, you know what I mean? And, and I know, well, we could talk about your playlist soon, but um, based on that, um, you know, Jeffrey Lee Pierce comes to mind, who's also uh, not a formal writer but a guy who styled himself as uh you know kind of like a, a you know a novelist writer you know sort of guy and a lot of mm-hmm. his, his songs have like that narrative sense to it as well you know 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I, that, I mean, of course, I mean, I think anybody doing anything that's in the like post punk or punk realm and they, they incorporate those like country blues and folk elements, you know, um, that all, whether they, whether they know it or acknowledge it or not, that, you know, it all kind of comes from, from people like Jeffrey Lee Pierce and bands like the gun club. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I did, uh, you know, I started kind of doing this kind of thing with my previous band before this one, but that was like, wasn't as weird. It wasn't as aggressive. It wasn't as loud. Um, but it was definitely like, suppose, you know, trying to do that kind of like westerny, southern gothic-y kind of post-punk thing. Um, you know, and, and so I've been kind of in that world for a long while now and just trying to kind of fine tune it. And, uh, you know, with this, with Dry Wedding, I feel like this is like what I always wanted that last band to be. Um, so. Even even the name Dry Wedding, I think it's it's, it's interesting that you mentioned the word bank of uh, Cormac McCarthy. Uh, dry Wedding makes me think of like a Cormac McCarthy or like Harry Cruz or something like that. You know, almost this like kind of ironic, like an irony to it. So how how did you arrive at that name? Yeah, I mean, it was just uh, you know, I was just kind of racking my brain doing some some internet research and, and it was just like one of those phrases that pops into my head. And I, I, you know, I'm like, Oh, okay. It, you know, that was exactly my thinking. It has this kind of Southern Gothic feel to it. Uh, and then I also liked it because I don't know, I feel like lyrically I explore the idea of control a lot, like trying to be in control of certain things like, you know, situations and emotions and whatnot. And then, you know, a lack of control, uh, and I feel like with a dry wedding, there's kind of this idea of a push and pull, uh, this kind of, you know, you're, you're trying to control a situation um, because you want a, a certain outcome. But, you know, chances are, you know, you don't really have any control over that outcome anyway. Um, so kind of liked, liked it on that level as well. And then also just kind of like the idea of a dry wedding, if you're there and you're you're sober and you're committed to a moment. Um, you know, I also liked it on that level as well, you know, and my hope would be that the, the shows that we play would kind of be like that where you're, you're invested and you're focused and you're completely immersed in it. And there aren't really any distractions. Well, now that we're uh, in a post pandemic world, uh, more or less, have you guys been busy playing, playing out? Yeah, we've been doing about one show a month here in town, um, just trying to stay active and, um, you know, just kind of get back to it. Um, you know, we've had some cases here kind of start to rise again, so I'm not really sure, um, you know, what the next few months are going to look like necessarily, but we have shows booked, so hopefully they all, you know, go through as planned. Are they, they're all in the, uh, you know, Portland area, Northwest, or, or are you guys like hitting the road or going, going anywhere else? Uh, right now, just Portland. Um, we, we have been kind of chatting out some ideas for touring. Um, we want to do just maybe something, uh, you know, on the West coast to start. Um, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think just cause we, we've seen a little bump in cases and whatnot, we're, a little apprehensive, but we still want to, to make something happen. So, 
Yeah, it's it's uh, you know that that specter is always there. It seems. Yeah, when's it gonna go away? Well, it depends on where you're at, I guess. I mean, out here on the East Coast, it's like it, it it's um, I don't know. People seem to be over the whole thing, you know. And um, like we did like a you know short run of dates on the East Coast and. It was like it was like it was before the pandemic for the most part, and then I've been going to tons of shows, and uh, you know you get like I've been to several large shows, you know, like fifteen hundred people, and several smaller shows, you know, like a hundred people, and um, you know some people wear masks, which is cool, you know, whatever makes you comfortable, and some people don't, you know, and and there's no mandates or anything like that out here, so. Uh, you know, for a while, everyone, you have to show your vax card, which is cool. You know, I, I get it. Like, I'm uh, I'm not choosing that hill to die on. You know what I mean? Like, you know, some people are like, you know, all right, I need my freedoms, you know, or whatever the hell, you know? And it's like, yeah, all right, cool, Patrick Henry. Um, this is actually a uh, public health situation, not a liberty situation. So I'm just going to uh, do what's perceived as being better for the community you know so, yeah so i'm uh you know I'm, I'm i'm playing my part but i gotta say out here it's it's pretty um things are pretty lax as far as that goes you know so i for for us it feels fairly normal um like i haven't been out to the west coast uh you know since before the pandemic so i guess we'll see what it's like in a few weeks when we're out there yeah, I mean, there there aren't any mandates or anything right now, but they did kind of release a statement, um, you know, basically saying that they would encourage you to maybe uh, wear a mask if you're able, because you know we're seeing an increase in cases around here. So, yeah, well, that's cool. You know, you know, my girlfriend had it. Uh, Casey and Amy had it. Every, like, I know a ton of people who have had it just in the last couple of weeks. So. Ralph had it, although yeah. you know he's nowhere yep. near here. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he, I, I had it too. I mean, I had it last year in uh, in November, or actually mm -hmm. uh, October, and um, I was clear in November. But I, I had uh, it, I was sick for like three days, and, and then everything cleared up. But the um, the lasting uh, taste thing is um. Still not a hundred percent, you know. I mean, it, it it's come back for the most part, but everything's very bland right now to my palate, so it's kind of a drag. But yeah, yeah, my girlfriend, you know, every time you know we try to decide what we're gonna eat for dinner or whatever, just nothing sounds good to her. So it's weird. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you put together this playlist, um, which you know we we like to do that on on the podcast. You know, is offer up some kind of uh, introspective, uh, you know, playlist of, you know, things that make sense and are fun, you know, in addition to the playlist, I'm going to uh, post uh, Sway and the Long Road. Um, so listeners can can check out the records on Spotify and, you know, but I also want to direct everyone to the Bandcamp uh, page because that way you can put your money where your mouth is and, and um, support the band directly, you know. So, uh, oh, before, before we move on, um, so are these, both of these records, uh, independent or are they connected with a label in some way? Uh, the first one, the longer road, um, we split, 
the pressing with a label called Resurrection Records that's based in Spokane, Washington. Um, so that one, that's kind of a half and half deal. Um, Sway is uh, 100% an independent effort at this point. Uh, we just have it uh, available digitally, but we are looking into uh, getting that pressed on vinyl in the not too distant future. Man, vinyl is, uh, I think things are actually getting a little bit better, but there's a huge backlog with vinyl, man, which is kind of a drag. Yeah. Um, my, um, my friend slash former boss runs a pressing plant out here. Uh, so I kind of just keep bugging him every, every month or two and asking him how the cues looking. So, uh, it's still pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> but hopefully, you know, uh, you know, he said they've been hiring people and trying to chip away at it. So, well, that's cool that it's a domestic plant because um, a lot of people have uh, their vinyl pressed in like the Czech Republic and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really great. I mean, you know, just being able to just go drive and pick up all your records and, you know, take them home with you. So uh, as I mentioned, there's a playlist and um, you got a collection of bands on here. And uh, now when you were putting this together, did you have uh, what did you have in mind with stuff that was a direct influence on the band or just you know stuff you dig or like what some you know honestly there's a couple of bands on here that I have been always meaning to check out and never have until you put this together which bands 16 horsepower and woven hands oh yeah those so that's that those bands are both fronted by the same musician yep. And David Eugene Edwards is is by far one of my biggest influences. Um, actually, even, you know, when I first was going to form uh, a new band, I was like, I think I kind of just want to go back to singing. I had done some bands where I played bass and sang at the same time. And, uh, you know, but when I was younger, I, I was in bands where I just sang and I loved being able to roam and kind of engage with the crowd that way. And then when I moved up here, I found myself with a lot of, you know, free time and i just started writing songs on guitar and i mean not only is um david eugene edwards music you know influential to me but like even just like watching live videos and seeing what he was doing with his hands and 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 just being like oh my god he's making these songs that are so incredible to me but like it doesn't look like it's insanely complicated like maybe i could pull that off you know because i you know I have, I, I, I never thought I had any business playing guitar in a band. Um, you know, I was like, oh, I'm not very good, whatever. But then I was like, no, like, I don't have to be very good. Like, I can write, uh, you know, riffs that are interesting, you know, and then have everyone else fill in all the gaps. I don't have to be some crazy technical guitar guy. Uh, and also, like, when you're singing and playing, you know, it's not like I want to be shredding some solo the whole time I'm singing anyway. So, um, you know, his music's been very influential to me and, um, yeah, enough to where I put two of his bands on one, uh, short playlist. Um, and so, uh, I, yeah, I could not recommend 16 horsepower and woven hand enough. Yeah, it's definitely cool. I, I, um, it's just one of those bands. I mean, you know, you know how like, you know, you, you're aware, but it's not, had, I'm like someday I will get around to listening to these guys, and then that day never comes until uh, right now, until 
<laughs> you put this list together, I'm like, oh, now is a perfect opportunity to run this list and then get exposed to 16 horsepower and woven hand, which I, I mean, I, I, I did know that it was the same guy involved in both bands. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, my last band before this one, it was called Swampland, and we were recording our uh, our LP, and I showed it to somebody, and they were like, this kind of reminds me of 16 Horsepower, and and kind of the same thing that you were just saying. I was like, oh, you, you know, I know the name. Um, you know, I saw David Eugene Edwards play in uh, Crime in the City Solution when they toured on their last record, and so, like, I knew the name 16 Horsepower, but I never really gotten around to listening to them and she was like you would if, if this is the kind of music you're making you would love this and so i i you know looked into their first album and i couldn't believe it it's you know speaking of jeffrey lee pierce it sounds like i was like this sounds like jeffrey lee pierce reincarnated or something um and and to the point where like I love the gun club and I mean, zero disrespect. They're on this list, but like I 16 horsepower is even more incredible to me. Um, and this list is just all, you know, there's 10 songs on it and they're all just kind of, it's like a brief overview of things that uh, inspire me and inspire the band and, and, and some of the bands that I kind of referenced when we first put the band together. Um, but I mean, we we all pull influences from so many different places. This is just kind of a small, you know, small little grouping of that. When you were talking about uh, your your apprehension to playing guitar in a band, uh, what immediately I thought about was Jeffrey Lee Pierce and Kid Congo, uh, because like in the early versions of um, of the band, neither one of them really knew how to play guitar, and and Jeffrey sort of taught Kid how to do like you know like drop like open you know open tuning how to play like an e or open e or something like that and that's basically how they they went about it you know what i mean and uh but it's like it's about the ideas really than the technical ability with a lot of this type of music you know totally and and one thing that i do too is like i use weird tunings that's definitely a thing that i do but i also kind of uh i jump around to different uh you know instruments in the guitar family so on the first record, I think it's just a regular guitar tuned to open G, and then I have a like a four-string tenor guitar. It's this Warren Ellis tenor guitar, um, and so that was the first record. Then the second record, I I played the guitar. Uh, I played a I have a baritone guitar, and so some of the songs you know were written and are performed with that. I have an eight-string mando cello. Um, I don't even know what that is, man. It's it's basically like a mandolin, but with a longer neck. So it's like what a cello is to a violin. This oh. is to a mandolin. Interesting. Um, so, yeah. So this record was baritone, regular guitar, mando cello, and then uh, one song I wrote on a lap steel. Um and so that's on there. So it's like now when we develop sets, you know, between the couple of guitars I played on the first record and these instruments I played on the second one, it's like, okay, how do we craft this set? So I only have to bring three guitars. You know, I don't want to bring more than three instruments to any show. Um, and so we kind of have to curate the sets around that. And, you know, we have like switches. Um, my bandmate Jared switches between a couple of guitars and keyboards and one of his guitars is like this 
Frankenstein's nine string guitar that he built um, with a bunch of weird tunings. So we like to kind of experiment with that. And yeah, I like to just bounce around the different stringed instruments and come up with different ideas. What, what's actually cool is like when I listen to the, the records, like I, 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 I'm aware of these different textures on there, but I, I could never tell you that you were using any of these instruments. Like part of me was like, oh, this is like some kind of like effects pedal or, you know, or octave, you know, pedal or some maybe a keyboard or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of that, too. Uh, you know, we call we call Jared the sonic sorcerer. Cause he kind of just will come up with all kinds of weird sounds, you know, based on pedals or just technique. Um, you know, he, um, he does, I think one song on each of the records, he plays the guitar with a violin bow. And, uh, you know, we did weird stuff like on the second record where, you know, I have a theremin and we fed it through like, uh, you know, a bunch of weird effects pedals and twisted a bunch of knobs and, um, you know, so we we also like to play around with with those textures as well, and that that's very much like I mean, you got birthday party on here too, and that's like kind of like a Roland Howard like thing. You know, his guitar style was very atmospheric and very textural. You know, and and um, you ever see that documentary uh, Autoluminescence about mm -hmm. Roland Howard, where you know he's like all these contact mics and he's like playing feedback and stuff, and I always. I always found that to be very inspiring and it fits in with like what you guys are doing. You know what I mean? Like that, that's my initial introduction to the band. And I thought about like, you know, definitely like a birthday party, Nick cave, you know, gun club kind of vibe. And I was just, is that the kind yeah. of, that's obviously the kind of stuff that influences you guys. Yeah. He's my favorite guitar player of all time. Um, I, I, I could, uh, I could back that man. He's like one of mine too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, and again, it's just like, it's just his, his approach to playing. It's the textures, it's the noise, but it's also the, the beauty that kind of somehow shines through all of that. Um, and, and it's interesting too, like, you know, we played this show last week and multiple people came up to me afterwards and they're like, that reminded me of the birthday party. And what what I'm getting from people is that it seems like our I think our live show is a little more it's a little more aggressive and people are kind of I think surprised by the energy that the live show has versus the records and after the first record we really wanted to try and capture more of that energy um, and I think we did a better job on that that second album of doing that but definitely want to keep uh, approaching that because we're kind of like um, you know, at least a few of us are, are pretty like manic and active on stage and things are loud and the textures are all kind of swirling everywhere. Yeah, that's really cool, man. And uh, and one of the things about the birthday party, though, that I always found this like weird dichotomy between Nick Cave and, and Roland Howard where Roland Howard was like the romantic, you know, and Nick Cave was like the kind of more visceral, you know, barbaric energy in the band. And, uh, and what, what actually it's, it's interesting even more that there's a version of the boys next door song shivers. There's like a demo with Roland singing versus the, mm -hmm. the version that Nick sang, but there's, yeah. I, I actually prefer the Roland version better. It just seems a little bit more, um, honest and kind of heartfelt than the Nick cave version of it. Yeah. And I think the tongue in cheek elements come across 
you know, a little better in the Roland version too. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, the, the Nick Cave version has that melodrama, which, you know, clearly I'm all for, but it just, you know, with the way that song is written, uh, it just seems like Roland singing it is just that much more sincere. Have you read the, uh, the Jeffrey Lee Pierce's book, uh, Go Tell the Mountain? I have not. Yeah, man. It's, it's kind of hard to find because um, 213.61 put it out in the 90s. And oh, okay. It was out, and I, I did not buy it when it was released. And then it abruptly went out of print because um, my understanding of that is that uh, Jeffrey Lee Pierce's family did not want that book to be in print any longer. So the only way you can get it is uh, you know, secondhand, basically. And uh, all through the 90s, it was like $300 or something like that to buy like a paperback copy of it. Oh, wow. I mean, over the last few years, last decade, the price has come down a bit. So I I picked one up a couple of years ago. And I was like, it was just one of of those purchases, you know, where you're like, oh, man, I don't know. It's like I got it for $150. And I'm like, that sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? To buy a book for $150. It's like, what a completely dumb way of spending my money but unless you're a real fan you know like unless you're really interested in that i i consider it to be money money well spent because i've like i read the whole thing and obviously i went back and and reread certain sections and it's like a collection of lyrics and journal entries and then at the end is a, a a novella that he wrote you know in this kind of uh you know, like Hemingway-esque, you know, man abroad sort of story or like maybe a, like a Henry Miller kind of vibe to the story. You know what I mean? So if you could find that book anywhere and not spend that kind of money, on it, I highly recommend checking it out. Well, you know, I, I, I'm a collector of things. I buy a lot of books. I buy a lot of movies. But, you know, more than even those things, I buy a lot of records. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm no stranger to... Um, maybe spending a little too much on something. Um, but I agree with you. It's like that money is gone. I'm not going to miss it. It's not with me anymore. I don't think about, Oh, you know, X amount of dollars. I, I, you know, I could have that still, but no, I'd rather have this, this tangible thing that means something to me. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, even the times I've splurged on something, I don't, I don't ever regret it. I just am happy that I have this, you know, that book or that record or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Especially when it's like art or something creative, something that gets your, your, it reinforces your mind, you know, like, like the way art and music and writing does like that's in my opinion, that's like money well spent really, you know, unless you're being exploited by somebody, of course. But you know, if you, you know, if you're able to, uh, to you know, part with the money and, and not put yourself in a situation, then, you know, by all means, like I back, I back decisions like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how I justify my my insane record habits and buying movies and books or whatever. I'm always telling myself and other people it's to stimulate the mind. So uh, <laughs> there's there's a reason for it. Um, but yeah, yeah. As long as you're like, you know, still feeding yourself and paying your bills, I think it's fine. Exactly. Now, being a uh, a writer, do you ever have any aspirations to writing any prose? You know, or you just, or does writing lyrics satisfy you completely? 
I like to kind of dabble in, in stuff like that from time to time. I've written a couple little screenplays and I've, I've written some, um, some stories that, you know, I was like uncertain if I was going to keep them as short stories or develop them into maybe something longer. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I think for me, just with writing in general, I don't like to get too comfortable and I don't like to get stuck in my ways. And, uh, I mean, I'm pretty like, I'm pretty crazy when it comes to even just lyric writing. I'll, I'll kind of go back through the last, you know, like I, I'll go through the, this last album that we wrote and I'll look at the lyrics as I'm writing new lyrics and make sure that I'm not using certain words that I already used on the last record. Um, and I just kind of very meticulous, um, and and I try to find new ways to kind of uh, find inspiration or or you know even just even just like the methods in which I write. Um, I'm just always trying to look to shake things up here and there just so I don't get too comfortable. And yeah, part of that I think is like I'll break out and I'll do some prose or something. Um, you know, write some poetry, which I approach poetry a little different than lyric writing. Um, I mean, a lot of the tone and, and whatnot is similar, but uh, with songs, I, I do the rhyming thing. With my poetry, I, I usually don't. So, Yeah, that's a challenge for me, man, Rhy finding words that rhyme. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, it's a huge challenge. For, I, can't, I, can't, <laughs> I just tried. I just can't make it work sometimes. You ever use that? that web, there's like a website called Rhyme Zone. No. Yeah, I just like like even if you just Google like rhymes with horse, you know, it'll probably be one of the top hits or rhymes with whatever you're looking to rhyme with. Oh wow! And it'll give you a, a whole bank of of words. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, technology, man. I thought I was being or, clever when I when I was just looking up synonyms for certain words. You know what I mean? I would just like put in a word and write synonym and then find like like a, a cooler word to express myself in, in like a piece or something like that, you know, thesaurus.com. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm doing that constantly and doing the rhyme thing constantly. And then, but what's kind of fun sometimes is if, if you are having a hard time rhyming, sometimes I'll just like change the word that that line ends on, or I'll change the line in in some other way so i have a new word to rhyme with and sometimes it'll take the song in kind of exciting and unexpected directions yeah that's, that's actually a great idea and i think inadvertently i've done the same thing maybe not so much trying to find rhyming put setting myself to rhyme but just to make like a line sound more interesting sometimes like the order of the words i change them around sometimes or I'll cut certain things out, you know, I'll think I'll have that kind of Hemingway like, like approach to it where it's just keep reducing it until you just have like the bare bones of something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'll do that too. A lot with like syllable counts or something. Um, you know, I have this line I want to jam in there, but it's a little too long or clunky, you know, or I have a, like, I want to switch my, I have a vocal idea and I need to switch the words around to fit that you know sometimes that'll yield some really interesting results um you know where you trim the fat and then you have these kind of like these statements that sound like uh, all of a sudden it went from being a regular sentence to sounding like some sort of profound 
you know, statement or something. Um, and then just kind of working from there. And that, and that doubles back to what I was saying about lyric writing being like very, for me at least fascinating, you know, and not, not like I don't love playing guitar and, you know, playing around with sounds and things like that. But like, I think like writing lyrics is, um, it's like such like a feel thing. And I guess you can say that about manipulating sounds. Like, like this isn't like a huge part of what I do, but like, you know, taking found sounds and crafting textures out of it is like somewhat something that is involved in the music I make. But that's almost, that's very similar to writing lyrics in some ways because you're using like emotional cues in a different way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I as far as me and like what I do in this band, you know, uh, I have just, I've been singing longer than anything. Like that was my first musical, anything, you know, I did choir and musical theater and all that kind of stuff. And so that, that got me excited to perform for people. And that got me, um, really interested in singing. Um, so that's why like in any band I've ever been in, I, I was the singer, um, and and then also like i just kind of naturally took to writing when i was young and uh you know like many people use that as a cathartic uh outlet in my teens and that just kind of continued so you know um singing and lyric writing are are very very important to me and in lyric writing especially because I think that's something that a lot of people don't pay a whole lot of attention to and i literally I can't can't even tell you like how much time and effort I put into songs. I'm I'm doing research. I'm looking up all these different ways to articulate what I'm trying to say. Like it's very involved, and um, and so for somebody to actually be like, yeah, I you know, I give a shit um, <laughs> is is very nice because uh, there's just there's a lot that goes into it at least for me in in this band. So yeah, I I. The lyrics have to be good, you know what I mean? And for me to like a band and, um, you know, that's why, you know, in a way, like I've never fully been able to endorse uh, the band Interpol from back in the day. You know, I always felt like musically that band was really cool and they, you know, their whole idea of the band was cool, but they have the worst lyrics, man. Like the, I, in my opinion, I, mean, I don't know, maybe you feel differently about it, but it's like, I, I could never back their lyrics. You know what I mean? Yeah, I well, I think I think for me that's like, um, you know, lyrics and vocals are the deal breakers for me usually. Yeah. Um, you know, like music, like music is music, and of course that's that's probably one of the things that you might kind of pick up on first. But once you start to listen to singing and and what they're saying, uh, you know, uh, at least for me, like I can be a little more partic particular about. Um, about those things so you know and, and 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 i'm not saying like everybody has to be a pitch perfect singer you know there are people who use their voice in really interesting ways uh you know like just off the top of my head you know like lou reed can't sing like on paper you know he can't he's not a good singer but he has a cool voice and there's a difference between being able to sing and having a an interesting voice um you don't always have to like be technically proficient in that way, at least for me, for it to be enjoyable. But there are just some types of singing 
that will just kill a band for me instantly. Or yeah, if the lyrics are just like, I don't know, like I can, I can listen to a band that, that maybe is like, Oh, we're, we're singing about like sillier things or, Oh, we're singing about, you know, demons from the whatever <laughs> dimension. Deaner, um, demons from the netherworld. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like, that stuff's all fine. And like, I can, I can, when, when done right, I'm fine, fine with it. But it's, I think like there are just some cases where that stuff is just, it's just unforgivable for me for one reason or another, you know? <laughs> well, there, there's another, there's a band on here, uh, speaking about lyrics and just emotion. You have, um, you got probably my favorite song by one of my favorite bands, uh, through silver and blood by neurosis. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that band has been like the gold standard for me for most of my life as far as like intensity, emotional catharsis, and just heaviness, you know, on like an emotional level as well as like a sonic level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I mean, I can hear that in tombs for sure. Oh, um, oh thank you. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I am a big tombs fan. Really? Just Yes. Thank you. Um, and I, I do, I love, I mean, I like, you know, speaking about neurosis and, and now tombs, like, um, I think honestly, at least for me, I've been a lot more interested in what's been happening, um, in the metal scene as opposed to some of the other scenes, just because there are, are a lot of bands I feel like that aren't coloring inside the lines and they're, they're like creating these these interesting structures and they're incorporating different influences and all of that's just really exciting to me um and yeah neurosis i mean is like a perfect example and they kind of laid the groundwork for for a lot of that um and also our drummer is um that huge neurosis guy and i think you can hear that in the way he plays drums yeah you know come to think of it because there is that kind of tom heavy thing which lends itself also to playing you know like you know kind of like the birthday party rhythmic jesus lizard kind of stuff too you know mm -hmm. yeah but yeah what are, are you have have you a long background with listening to neurosis because that that record is like most people that that's like they're kind of uh you know opus for most people is that that particular record and and it's for me it is too and and you know I, i'm always tempted to be kind of a hipster about it and be like well you know i like uh you know word is law or something you know like one of the early records but i keep coming back to that record and whenever i listen to it it just feels so just emotionally raw and intense you know yeah yeah and i think i mean i think that's one thing that we definitely um you know kind of collectively as a band love about it um yeah i mean i used to when i was younger i worked at a record store and and i'm just a music nerd in general so you know i think my first exposure to them was souls at zero mm -hmm. um which i which is still you know one of my favorites of theirs um you know one of those things where you're like oh it was my entryway in so i have a soft spot for it um but yeah, I mean, they're just an incredible band and and yeah, I think I just loved the idea that you could present something heavy and 
you know, heavy and without, I don't know. I, I think when I was younger, it was like, oh, metal does this and punk does this and that's that, right? Um, and I just love that they didn't compromise their heaviness in any kind of way when they were putting in, you know, keyboards and they were putting in like clean singing, but like doing it in a way that sounds good. I, I have a whole thing about, I have a hard time with certain types of clean singing in metal, but that's a whole sure, other me too. conversation. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Like when they do like the, like the, the poppy vocal shit in metal, I just, it's, I, I, I just, it. I, 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 can't, I, I can't click with it but like the like the way they sing in neurosis like that's perfect um or like even like the way that you uh, you know use different vocal techniques and tunes like i'm like yes that that's the way well thank that, you i appreciate that, that. that clicks with me um but when you're like belting it out like it's a top 40 pop hit and you're like putting some crunchy guitar under it i'm just like why i don't well, and yeah. I love not, singers. Not, I love singing. It's just uh, uh, there's just a disconnect there for me. Not not to get into like uh, you know like a, a negative uh, trip here. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, uh, and I, I despise that like beyond um, you know like like uh, you know a few we, we've done like you know Ozfest and things like that, and there's there's like that style of uh, performative. Uh, bands, you know, where it's like there's like an externalness to them, which they a, a lot of those bands will have that. Like, you know, here's like the the gruff vocal, and then there's the uh, you know the the clean processed vocoder pitch corrected, you know, part that they that's that's out there, you know, too. In the same song, like the chorus is like this clean vocal with like pitch correction and all that, and it's just like. I would like be so embarrassed if I played music like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's an instant mood killer. Yeah. I think some people like it you though, know. and you know, and good for them. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, it's big with certain people, but you know, it's not for me. Yeah, I, I just I don't know. I um, and it's yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, I just yeah, if that clicks for someone, that's great. It's just it's not my cup of tea. So what do you guys got coming up? Um, you got I know that you're playing the day after that I'm going to be in Portland. I know that's coming up in June. So uh, <laughs> so that's that's awesome for you and not so great for me because I would love to check you guys out live at some point. Yeah, um, I mean we've got that show coming up. Um, we've got a show in July at a local place called the Star Theater. It's um, uh, a club also um actually the place you're playing dante's the star theater is kind of like their sister venue that's around the corner um so we'll be playing there for the first time actually uh in july with a touring band from chicago called french police um and then yeah we got shows lined up for august and september as well um and i'm hoping i um I'm currently in the midst of uh, building out a new practice space. Um, I just moved in January, so I've been having some renovations done in the basement here. Um, and so it's actually almost finally done. And once that happens, we can we can get in there and we can start um, 
you know, being able to chip away at some, some new material and hopefully get in to record something, um, you know, maybe later this year. Well, another thing I wanted to mention about you guys, which I, I'm like really impressed by is, is the ability to use these other instruments in, in an effective way in your music. Because, um, you know, I, I go through life, um, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, I play guitar, you know, I play bass, you know, I have played, I, I would never say I'm a bass player, but I have played bass. You know, I got this mm -hmm. little keyboard I play around with and I'm like, I think I'm doing pretty good. You know, I can do these yeah. things, you know what I mean? And then, uh, but then like I, I run across people and I'm like, that can do other stuff that I have no ability and it's, and it sounds cool. Like, I guess the first awareness of this came when I'm with the Swans, you know, which is another band that's on your playlist here. And, you know, really listening to their music and thinking about making music like that. And I'm like, okay, here's a, I can identify an acoustic guitar and there's an electric guitar and there's like drums. And then there's all this crazy percussion. And then sometimes there's just percussion with no drums, you know, and like these mm -hmm. odd, unnameable instruments out there. And, um, you know, and there's a, there's a variety of different bands, different, different musicians that have played on these records. And, and then when I'm talking to you, learning about all the different textures and different ways that you produce those sounds, I'm just like so impressed by that. Oh, thank you. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't feel like I am doing anything very impressive. It's just, I bought some other guitars to, <laughs> you know, try and mess around and, and come up with some ideas on. Um, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's impressive because uh, I don't know if I would be able to be successful, what kind of success I would have with doing some of these, like, you know, mandolin-style things, you know. I, I, I wouldn't even know how to tune something like that, really. Or maybe that's maybe that's part of the trip is just not knowing how to do it and doing it your way, you know. I mean, I'm the type of person I, you know, if I think about it too much, I'll, I'll, you know, come up with a million different reasons why it might be too daunting, um, you know, or, or, you know, unattainable for me in some sort of way. So the best thing that I can do is kind of just jump in. And then once, you know, once I've committed and I got the thing in my hands, I'm like, okay, well, I got to figure it out now. Um, and so, yeah, for me, just kind of diving in and then, figuring out the rest now that I'm now that I've committed to it. Um, you know, that kind of just helps me kickstart those things and not overthink them too much. Well, that's awesome, man. And, uh, you know, thanks for doing the show again. I really appreciate it. And it was great talking to you, man. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Talk to you next week.